I fucking did it legally, asshole. There are rules. Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's cool and rainy. And I really shouldn't complain about that because I hate the heat. And from America's left coast, where I am personally experiencing man-made climate change, I'm Ryan Bemrose. You are not. Today, we're talking about the lunacy. You are not of stereotyping. I I turned on a fan. You're, You're one of those loons. Oh, wait, we're doing that. We're stereotyping you right off the bat. What a nice segue. But that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the, you know, and this happens a lot now. People put other people into certain groups, and we're using a sledgehammer to do this rather than a finely honed scalpel. And it's becoming a problem, not just online, it's becoming a problem in real life. And it's something that seems to be getting worse. So it became a topic on the show that you wanted to talk about everything from, you know, your very basic stereotypical stuff, social justice warriors, identity politics, you know, the kind of crap that comes out in various political campaigns about, you know, your team or the other team, all these things that people want to make into a bumper sticker that really deserve a lot more looking at in a in a critical way. That's kind of what we're doing today, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, at at the root of the issue, and and I'm definitely the one who brought this one to the fore. But uh, anybody who who watches uh, any kind of politics sees this. Anybody who hangs out on a street corner or a playground or a social network sees the categorization of people. Well, the problem basically I see, the way I see it is people have stopped looking at other people for who they are or what they do or what they say, and instead putting them into categories and then just assuming characteristics of them about about them from those categories. It's insidious because it feels right because human nature has always, you know, humans are still one of the best pattern matching computers that have ever existed on this planet. We are really, really, really good at looking at something, inferring a pattern from that something, and then deciding, okay, well, you know, obviously this pattern seems to hold, so let's go ahead and use it. And generally speaking, it's a pretty good thing. If, if you, uh, you know, if back in the day when you saw a, a very large kitty with stripes on it, and then you see that kitty eat three of your village mates, then you go, huh, that kitty seems to eat people. Maybe I should avoid it. That is matching a pattern. You see another kitty with the same stripes on it. You're like, oh, that's probably dangerous. And it's the kind of thing that keeps humans alive, but it also can lead to some serious problems. Well, and the problem I think is the overgeneralization. When you say we're putting people into categories, it's not like we're going, well, it is white guys between 30 and 50 who live on the south side of chicago who go to white Sox games and eat italian beef that's a pretty specific group and somebody that hits all of those bases they probably have a decent amount in common they're not exactly the same but there's probably a lot of similarities the problem now is 
we're grouping people into men, man, woman, right? You know, black, white, uh, Democrat, Republican. And these groups are way too big to be able to to do this. Well, the yeah, the the thing you're getting at is uh, it is I believe it's called statistical correlation. Ultimately, when you when you start down the road of categorizing the process goes like this you you build a category you build a a model of what you think a a particular element of this category is and you have that in your mind and you go okay well i i know that people who are you know male white socks fans with beards and six foot six tend to rant on their podcast about these things and you know from experience that it's true and therefore every time you encounter somebody you it is natural human nature to look at or encounter or or judge somebody and put them into categories based on what you know as a template for how to interact with them. And statistically speaking, if I encounter a six foot six bearded white guy from Chicago who is ranting at the clouds, then I am going to immediately go, huh, this guy might have a podcast. And statistically, there's a better than even chance that that's true. But the problem is correlation. It is when when you have a specific enough category, then the probability that any inferences you make about the category will apply to an individual are high. But when your category is super broad, like all men, then your chance of any particular quality applying to them is 50-50 at best. And this is where you start putting... Well, I think a lot of this has to do with needing an enemy. Needing somebody on the other side. This goes for all the stuff on the Twitters and the Facebooks and stuff where people like to argue is that if somebody says something that you don't like, something that you disagree with vehemently, you need to demonize them. It's a very interesting thing because I believe the the sociological term is to actually otherize them because that's that's another evolutionary thing about humans is is we distrust the other. When we need an enemy, it's the other. It's the thing that isn't us. It's the thing I don't yes, not identify. One with. of us. Yes. Not one of us. One of us. That was a weird movie. Um, another natural thing that humans have always done is is self-identify into a group of safe people, and you feel good when you're amongst a group. And the easiest ways to yeah identify groups historically has always been ethnic because. Been people didn't move around a lot. People in the same place tended to look alike. So when you got somebody who didn't look like you, that was the other. But now what is going on in the fact that this kind of stuff is getting worse? It's not, you know, the America, you heard the old line that it's a melting pot. And we've taken a bunch of people from all around <laughs> yeah, the world. Yeah, that's antiquated. Yeah, it's, well, it is very antiquated and people want to say that it's still going on, but we're getting more and more invested into little things and it turns you know gets to the point to where it's like taylor swift whether you like her music or not and i like a lot of the older stuff this new song that just came out i think as a song i, I like her a kind lot of on mute. <laughs> the, the music is great on you just want to watch the video because she's hot i get it like 511 blonde what can go wrong but her latest song which is very pro LGBTQ, whatever the latest acronym is, is being attacked for being a little too late to the party. And I mean, that's like, wait, okay, so somebody's coming out. I mean, the song sucks because it's very simplistic and it is like a big bumper sticker rather than getting into any minutia. But with that said, it's interesting to me when you have one of the biggest pop stars in the world 
coming out for a cause that people who are a part of that cause are going to be like, well, you, where were you five years ago? It's like, what? wait a minute. Well, growing up. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's for Taylor Swift. That's absolutely true. And I just don't understand. But it goes way beyond her. It goes into a lot of the stuff to where, well, if you if you weren't a part of our community two years ago, you're not you're not with us. And it really is such a exclusionary way to look at things that it, it blows my mind because this would be like, OK, normally anybody that was has a cause. Somebody like Taylor Swift, somebody of that kind of star level comes in and wants to help in whatever way. And you want to you know, turn that back into a bad thing. I just don't get it. They're like, well, she's just trying to monetize this. It's like, I don't really think so. The gay and lesbian community, I have nothing against them, but they're a vast minority. They're not the ones buying a majority of her records because they're not a majority of the people on earth. So it's not like this is a money grab. You're describing a phenomenon which which runs rampant in uh, ideologies that are consumed by this type of identity stereotyping. Uh, the phenomenon is called gatekeeping, where the more you try to make it part of your identity to be inclusive of everybody who fits your category, the more you know. Every single time that you find an exception. It, Every time that you're faced with the cold, hard fact that the people that may have the superficial characteristics you're looking for, for your identity group are actually humans and are more complex than you're oversimplifying them to be, uh, you suddenly have to start making exceptions. And the, the gatekeeping is the cognitive dissonance of saying, I want to be all inclusive of everybody in my chosen identity group, except for you. I want you out because I don't like you as an individual but people who gatekeep can't think of people as individuals they have to say well uh actually i i don't want anybody who wasn't here five years ago and i don't want anybody who's 511 and blonde in my group because that's actually uh have you heard of the no true scotsman fallacy that's an older version of the same thing no i've never heard of that uh no true scotsman is a uh the the story as it is is uh that you you have a, an Englishman and a Scotsman go into a bar, and I don't remember how the joke goes, but basically uh, the Scotsman is boasting and calling out and basically being a braggart, and uh, somebody points out his hypocrisy, and he says, well, no, true Scotsman would be like that, so obviously anybody who did that is not correct. I just completely butchered the joke, but the idea behind the fallacy is, uh, well, another word for it is moving the goalposts. You draw a line in the sand for some kind of group. And then when somebody points out an exception, then you move the line in the sand and, and draw the line around the exception so that your stereotype still fits. You're still right. And this happened big time in social media is where it was most prevalent. But with, again, let's just say the gay issue, it's mainly a group that comes down to the left on the politics scale. And when guys like Milo Yiannopoulos and there are a couple other gay Republican you know, conservatives that I followed on Twitter, the amount of hate they got from other gay people is absolutely you're you're not gay enough. Hold on. Let me let me draw the line. I said I liked all gays, but it turns out I like all gays except for you. But since I can't think of uh, a way to keep my 
ideology and still think of people as an individual, I'm just going to say I like all gays except for Republican gays because those are not true gays. Right. And that's exactly it. That's where the switch, I think, flips in the brains of these people is that, well, you can't be gay because you you'd like Donald Trump or you like whatever policy that may be the du jour of the day. And their brain really can't handle the fact like, well, you're gay. You should, of course, you should believe this. And this it's the same thing across racial lines, which is why if you have a African-American that it's a conservative gets the same kind of shit. They're not really black. Right. Then they get called Uncle Tom and all this other stuff because, well, you can't be black. How could you be a black Republican? Are you crazy? It's like, well, well, no, go do your, you want to go look into history and see which party actually freed the slaves and all that. But this isn't this about that. This isn't that history lesson. But yes, when somebody that you believe is a part of your tribe, a part of your group, somebody that you look at and go, hey, that looks like me. And then they hit you with a, thought or a belief that's totally the antithesis of what you believe there's a certain meltdown to it and this is what this country in america right now is going through with two years plus of persecuting a president going after a president for things that just never happened investigation this is something that's never happened in the history of the united states that a president got elected one side hated it so much that they're doing everything they can to try and undo that because the 50%, and this is such a statistical craziness, the 50% that voted for not Trump can't believe that another 50% voted for him. So that has to be wrong. This has to be a stolen election. And there is a meltdown that comes from a whole large group of people not believing that their countrymen would actually do this and vote that way. Well, I, I I definitely have to dispute the idea that this is the first time we've ever had a particularly contentious presidential election. As we pointed out in uh, Grumpy Old Ben's 12, there was a time when the presidential election, the presidential elect loser challenged the new president to a duel, a, a gunfight <laughs> in order to determine. And so, it's the the idea that uh there could be a contentious election where the losing side has had sour grapes for four years is absolutely not new um what is new in my experience is just how divisive our country is and how much it is showing up for this particular president you mean that people hate donald trump so much that if he came out on television today and said i'm gonna put x amount of money extra to cure cancer aids and every other bad thing in the world i'm gonna dedicate more money to this there are gonna be people that come out and say oh what a fucking asshole well just to be clear there have been people like that for every single election every single time that you have one political person triumph over another there's going to be some poorly adjusted addled person on the losing side who loses their fucking mind and goes completely nuts uh you know the the first president that was ever shot i think was oh shit i can't remember the like but it, very early on we've we've had people for as long as we've had presidents and guns in this country which is the entire length of the country we've had people wanting to try to kill the president well, yeah so, but we've we've never had half of the country 
that would yeah. disagree with the guy just because it's him saying something. I mean, oh, to to be honest, I think that the two things that are exceptional about this particular one, uh, one is social media. As we've discussed before, everybody is entitled and has their own opinions and you're perfectly allowed to say that. But what social media does is amplifies everybody. So now everybody has a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand people that they talk to and whatever opinion that they might have shouted to an empty room or pestered the hell out of their wife with now they can go shout into the echo chamber of Twitter and then somebody else on the other side far away who never would have had any contact with them is going to shout back and they're going to start echoing, echoing off of each other and, and amplifying the signal. And that is something that has only been possible for the last two presidents. Maybe how different do you think this would be if the only people whose opinions you took into, uh, into your database of your brain, when you're making your decisions, if you only took the opinions of people that you've actually either a, met in person or to talk to on the phone at least once or twice if those were the only people you paid attention to and not all of the random people on twitter that you don't even know are fucking real man i believe that when you come to these social media outlets now you know twitter facebook and that facebook maybe a little less because they're trying to cut down on it but i believe on twitter if you're following a thousand people I bet you at least a couple hundred of them are bots. <laughs> I'm convinced that everybody on Twitter is a bot. Uh, and and the reason that I'm convinced of this is because in my personal experience, all humans don't use Twitter and robots do use Twitter. So obviously everybody on Twitter is a bot. You see how I just stereotyped there? Yeah. And it's easy to set up one of these bots. So even if you're a human it's that's on Twitter, up, you can set up a hundred of them. Stereotypes too. Yes. And it's easier <laughs> to just have something spew something to push buttons rather than actually making discourse go forward they nobody's having a communication nobody's having a debate anymore everybody is monologuing and it doesn't matter what the other person says which is also something i think is a little bit different now than when we were growing up i mean we were always taught more or less at least i was you know listen to the other side and you know maybe you're wrong that was a big part of never school happened. when we well, you will never admit you're wrong, but there, if anybody can find specific examples where Sir Ryan Bemrose was incorrect, feel free to email us at Darren at GrumpyOldBenz.com. Maybe we'll have a reward going out. But it used to be that you listened to what the other people said and, and schools overall taught you how to think. You know, this was the concept of why you were going to school. This is why you were getting educated. It was so you could learn how to separate the wheat from the chaff so you could figure out what's bullshit and what's not. And you could make up your own mind as to what reality is. And I think that is something else that has really changed since I've been out of school. So in the past 20 years or so, 40, that it's strictly, 60. it keeps getting there, right? Yeah. But it's, it's now you're being taught one, you're being taught what's right, being taught what's wrong and critical thinking. Am I wrong? That critical thinking is just not, not only is it not taught anymore, but it's really, I think, seen as a negative thing when it comes to college campuses. Oh, you have a mind of your own. Oh, wait, you want to question? Maybe this was good, but we're telling you it's bad. Well, I mean, what well, you are currently engaging in stereotyping uh, all college campuses. And statistically speaking, I think that you're, you're definitely on to something. There is, there is a lot more uh, indoctrination of ideology, I think, today than there was 20 years ago when I was in college. Uh, but the it's, there's always going to be people at college 
who don't want there there will always be people trying to teach critical thinking skills and there are always going to be people who just want to convert you to their own personal religion whatever it happens to be and i think that statistically uh there are more of the latter group now because of the echo chamber effect of academia and it's it's obviously become a problem uh you know you you were pointing out that uh it, the the divisiveness in America today seems worse than ever. And uh, that this particular president seems to have brought it out. I think that Donald Trump is a symptom and not the cause of a lot of things like this, simply because what we're seeing today is a culmination of the self-esteem movement that I barely got out of school before it started. No child left behind. Uh, everybody gets a trophy. We have raised a generation of people and told them that they are entitled to everything. And again, I'm stereotyping and it is fun for old people like us to stereotype millennials. And, and that's it's unfair to the millennials and the people of that age group who have learned personal responsibility and are doing well for themselves and taking responsibility for their own actions. But there are a lot of people out there and stereotype away who were always told, well, you deserve a living and you deserve minimum wage, uh, you know, and you deserve to be able to have, you know, three kids and two cars in a six bedroom house. And, and we are now reaping the rewards of teaching an entire generation of people that you should just have everything handed to you and what ideology is the most seductive to somebody who believes that their entire world should just be handed to them with no work well that's why we've got new breeds of communism coming out and socialism just people people thinking free stuff from the government that's my platform yep right because the free stuff you get from the government is always the top notch stuff that you want <laughs> i mean you're gonna get a ferrari oh it's, you're gonna it's have worse a, than that who pays for it uh you you can follow the uh, justice democrats idea the green new deal of saying well obviously we don't have to tax anybody to get this money because all we have to do is just print more money and that absolutely works in the short term but uh it, Longer term, medium term, within a couple years, the the problem is that if you just keep printing money without having any sort of production backing it, you're pretty much going to completely destroy people's trust in your your backing. Well, Facebook has a cryptocurrency coming. Yay, oh, Libra. Yeah. Why, why <laughs> is the U.S. dollar uh, a standard currency around the world? Because people have enough trust in the U.S. government to believe that it will always be backed up. But if the U.S. government starts printing money like Venezuela, then that trust erodes and suddenly people stop having confidence in the U.S. government and that lack of trust will destroy far more than you can ever build up with some kind of ridiculous money printing scheme. Right. And even worse than the money printing and you know the quantitative easing and all that, the if we could take a, just a quick left turn onto socialism, what people don't oh, still so seem to we're, understand. We're so far off the rails. Let's just Take the path where it leads. Yeah, just jump off the rails. You know, go free falling for a while. It's better than free balling. That's a completely different thing. But with the problem with socialism is if you get to the point where everybody's going to get 
uh, yearly salary. Everybody gets $50,000 for doing nothing. Then the real question becomes, who does fucking anything? Because everybody has to get the same thing. So why? Who wants to go out then and pick up the garbage and clean the septic tanks and flip the burgers, assuming we don't have robots doing all this stuff yet? I know they're coming and they're going to start doing a lot of stuff. But for the things that humans still need to do or still can do to benefit society, why would people continue doing them if they get nothing extra? Why would anybody? become a celebrity of any sort forget even the taylor swift level because that would just be insane at this point because if you have to go through this hassle and have to have bodyguards around you because you get death threats and stalkers and all this if you don't get any extra money what's the point even people down to like the impractical jokers you know it's a show on true tv these guys are really at the fringe of being you know celebrities but I've you know, heard from a Brian Quinn, who they have a podcast called uh, Tell Him Steve Dave, about the weird shit, you know, fans getting in his face, stuff like that. And it's like, is it worth giving up your privacy? Is it worth giving up everything around you to do these kind of things if you get no extra money for it? Who wants to be a doctor and expose themselves to disease if they're getting the 50000 that everybody else is? There's no extra benefit for it. So this is the so- problem. I see it. Sh- when you talk answer, about the socialist utopia, I, I have a short answer to your question. Uh, you your never question, have a short answer. No, I, th- this is relatively short for me. Uh, okay. in, in fact, it's it's two words and then a whole lot of speaking to explain it, uh, <laughs> which is as short as I get. Uh, who will do this? Who will clean our bathrooms and who will vacuum our rugs and who will do all the menial jobs that we don't want to do? The other. That's that's all you need. That's the way that the utopia works is you decide that you want a socialist utopia. You decide that you want everybody to be living in this fantasy world where everybody produces art and puts you uh, eats grapes all day in in the sunlight or whatever the utopian image you have. Uh, Everybody's a podcaster. Everybody imagines that they are the ones who are going to be doing that. And they all the the easiest way to get pulled in by this is you say i'm getting free money i can do anything i want i don't have to work and yeah i understand that some jobs have to be done but somebody else can do them and boom that's out of mind out of sight you you have assuaged your conscience you you have solved the problem. You have signaled that I believe that this, you know, I understand that this thing will work by just having somebody else do it. So you believe everybody that believes in the socialistic utopia understands there does need to be a subclass of people to do the crap work. Well, no, they don't. They don't think of it as a subclass. They just don't. Well, ultimately, they don't think of it. They I, I honestly <laughs> believe that they have not thought through the whole thing other than eh, somebody will do it. Uh, they, there, there's, I, you know, some people might have thought so far as to say, well, the government will pay certain people to do it. They never include themselves in that. Uh, you know, obviously I don't want to do the dirty jobs because the government right. will and just pay pe- somebody else. And, and if the government starts paying somebody to do those extra than what everybody else is getting, well, now you're not a socialist country anymore. And, and truth be told, if you go deep down in the place where the type of person and and again, I'm I'm clearly stereotyping an entire type of person. Uh, but if if you go deep down in the psyche, uh, you're a lot of them are actually uh, literally in the old definition of the word racist. 
uh, where they will say something like, uh, oh, well, we should invite immigrants into our country because they can do the menial jobs. Uh, you, you actually hear that argument. Right. They, they can do the things that nobody else wants to do. And, and then again, they, then they look at that and they don't go, oh, well, wait, I'm being racist. No, it, it's it's a mental state of mind where you you categorize everybody in the world into my group and another group. And then you apply your whatever notions you have of the groups in your head and you assume those things of the in, the individuals that you've categorized into the other group. And that's ultimately the the fallacy. I'm I'm going to try to drag us onto the rails again. And uh, just call this out as as for what it is. It is it is called the fallacy of stereotyping. And in an attempt to uh, get back on topic, I'm going to read from Wikipedia, which I know is the thing that everybody loves about podcasts is when you read from Wikipedia. In social psychology, a stereotype is an overgeneralized belief about a particular category of people. Stereotypes are generalized because one assumes that the stereotype is true for each individual person in this category. Uh, and the first part of that is a statistical analysis. You take somebody who has a particular characteristic and you say, okay, then they're, you know, they have, uh, you know, light colored skin and a penis and therefore, uh, they're probably privileged. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, uh, if, if that's the stereotype in your mind, but the fallacy is then when you use that in a deductive context and say, uh, you have light colored skin and a penis and therefore you owe me money. Well, of course that goes right to social justice warrioring and reparations and a lot of things that are going on right now, which is the interesting thing about social justice warriors. The irony is the people crying the most about sexism and racism are the ones that are the worst at it. It seems because yes, I'm tired of hearing the, you can't be, you can't be racist against whites oh you can't be safe so it's kind of like what the the vast majority of people who are being called racists in in today's world by by social justice warriors by uh 2016 presidential candidates who literally called half the country deplorable those most of the people who are being called racists don't think about race ever except when they're being called racist and then they're like well i mean I guess, I mean, I'm white and though I don't have any interaction with most people, most of the time with people who aren't white. And even when I do, I don't care too much. Um, I guess if they hate me because of my skin color, then I should start acting like I hate them for their skin color. And, And that's how you propagate racism. But you know who does think about race every single day and constantly thinking of ways to divide people based on the most superficial possible way of of looking at someone their skin color which literally is less than a millimeter deep in your body and has nothing to do with any other part of your body is people who say your skin color is different from mine and therefore you are a different type of human and i should treat you differently based on that one superficial fact those are racists in the old definition of the term and should be in the in the current definition but that's not no no the the new definition of the term according to uh modern academia stereotypes is uh if you're white you're a racist and if you're not white then you're not racist that's that's a very convenient definition it's also completely fucking wrong it's a redefinition it's yeah and again it's the irony of this stuff things like that just happened what a week ago or so ago 
the group that wanted to have a straight pride parade in Boston and got a bunch of fucking hate from people about it for the reason of, I don't know why. And this is where I always come down. It's like, I have no problem if you have black history month, but then where's white history month. If you're going to be inclusive, the people that fucking scream for inclusiveness are the ones that seem to want to exclude very specific people from the conversation. And I don't get that. If you can have a gay pride parade and I'm fine with that, I'll go out and have a fun time with you and have some churros and, you know, a big, you know, lemonade or something. But Hey, if somebody wants to have a straight pride parade, why are you fucking against that? If you can be proud of being gay and that's fine. If you can be proud of being black, that's fine. You can be proud of who you are. Why can't the other fucking people? I didn't think there was an answer, but I mean, that's the question we have to start asking at this point. God fucking damn it. Fucking mute, but I'm sorry. No, I, I had a really snappy, fantastic answer for that one. And it completely went right into the mute button. Well, repeat it. It's it'll be just like, we'll edit this. Nobody will even know. <laughs> now, Chris, I have to uh, leave this in because it's for comedic value, yes. but go ahead. Nobody will know. What, what was the question again? Why is it okay? I heard you're muting again. Don't forget to turn it off this time. When, yeah. Why is it okay to have the gay pride parade? Why is it that the people that are screaming for inclusivity who just don't want to include? And why is it okay to have a gay pride parade, but a straight pride parade is bad? In this case, the answer is pure hypocr- hypocrisy. If you have, I, I, I mean, the, the answer that will be given if you ask somebody like that uh, is likely to be. Uh, well, obviously these groups are, have historically been, uh, uh, underprivileged and therefore we need to give people a leg up as out of a sense of fairness, uh, because we need to, you know, this group in, in the past has been downtrodden and, and we need to, out of fairness, we need to make sure that they get some kind of benefit now, uh, reparations as you call as you brought up right which what what ends up happening is people play the minority card oh why why can we celebrate being gay it's a minority that's why because everybody else that's not gay you have your you have your every day man you got the whole world we're a minority we need special treatment the funny thing about uh reparations and i guess this would be funny if it weren't so fucking sad is <laughs> uh, that especially like the what, what what you hear talking about these days is is reparations for slavery i don't know about you but i've never owned a single slave and i don't no, think i keep that, looking for them i keep that would give me a go to craigslist i can't find any do you can you get those on amazon probably i, I don't one know. day shipping and, and you know the the funny thing is that the the people who go up and and testify in front of a congressional committee on reparations uh you know a, a person who may happen to actually have dark colored skin i bet that person has never been a slave and nobody they've ever met was ever a slave uh they have just decided to self identify based on the superficial skin color category to categorize everybody broadly into people that are you know people who look like slaves the that that were the slaves 150 years ago and people who look like the people who were slave owners 150 years ago and suddenly make an argument about the people today um you know another thing that that really comes up a lot where i live 
in in the Western U.S., uh, we have a lot of reservations for Native Americans. Uh, you know, if if, if they're when they're north of the 49th parallel, they're called uh, First Peoples. Those are the, that's the Canadian name. Um, in in the U.S., they tend to be called Native Americans, except when we're just calling them Indians. But the, the interesting thing about them, and there are a lot around here, is they have these reservations. It is reserved chunks of land where state laws do not apply, and they make their own laws under a federal treaty from like 1850-something, uh, a federal treaty that is now 170 years old. And that treaty basically said, you and your people will be a sovereign nation on this land forever. And you know, I, I wasn't there during the war that caused this treaty to happen. And I, I can't help but think that when you include language like that, you're doing at least a little virtue signaling. I don't know their reasoning, but what I do know is that that is an unreasonably long amount of time. And the funny thing is when, when you go on to one of these reservations, there are now literally two classes of people. There are the people who are part of the reservation and there are the people who are whites or, or basically uh, the other. And when I go onto one of these reservations, I am the other. And why does this matter? Well, to me, it's, it's jealousy. Uh, if, if I, if I want, for example, to buy fireworks, the kind of fireworks, which are patently unsafe and illegal <laughs> in most places, um, I can do that on the reservation. Why? Because the state laws banning fireworks sales don't apply on the reservation. Uh, if I want to gamble, if I want to go to an actual casino and spend money uh, on, on games of chance, I can do that on the reservation. Why? Because the state laws banning gambling don't apply on the reservation. The, the people on these reservations also pay, they don't pay state taxes if they don't want to. They don't pay. And I, why do I bring this up? Well, I don't know. You rant a lot. Because I don't want to pay tax. I don't want to pay taxes. I want to be able to open a casino if I want to. I want to <laughs> be able to sell illegal fireworks. Fuck yeah. Why should these people get privileges that I don't have? Why? Because an accident of birth that has to do with something that happened 170 years ago meant that by virtue of being born to parents who trace their lineage to Europe, I am disadvantaged by having to deal with these overbearing, retarded state regulations that people who happen to be able to trace their ancestry to native american from 170 years ago can just sit there and say no i don't want to pay taxes what is fair about that absolutely nothing and why why are we doing this because we've decided to categorize people into haves and have nots based on the accident of where and how they were born if that's not racism i don't know what is well it's because it's a different country technically but it brings up the good point which is there's a lot of jealousy in a lot so, of this, so I'll, why can't I'll, I'll I'll I have the social justice warrior? You could. I mean, you yeah, could buy I an oil could right up until the IRS shows up with guns. <laughs> no, just no. Try it. Just don't pay your taxes. Uh, consider yourself sovereign land. Nothing will go wrong. Just call yourself a compound, and it'll be great. Just make sure you have internet access and cameras, so when the FBI shows up, 
and the secret service, everything will be cool. But a lot of this is people being jealous. You know, this is where this reparations comes in. Again, we think we're owed something because you're not an Indian and they can do all this other stuff. We've taught people that they're owed something. This is, this is the schooling that we've given people for the last 30 years. And that's the, problem because it's no longer that all men are created equal and people misuse that all the time everybody's equal no no it says all men were created equal and then you can have the pursuit of happiness nobody says it's guaranteed because again the the bottom line with this is everybody's going to have different luck when you go to vegas some people win some people lose that's just the way the world works unless you're at a seven-year-old uh, you know, their T-ball game or something where they don't keep score, even though people in the stands are still keeping scores, you know, who wins or loses, but every game there's a winner and there's a loser. So teaching the fallacy that 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 is no longer the case certainly doesn't help anybody. And this leads to this derangement that we have going on today that everybody's equal. Not everybody's equal. Some people are smarter than others. I'm not the smartest person in the book, but I no, know there's me. people dumber than me. Right. You're the, I'm sorry. You're the smartest human on the planet, Ryan. Bemmer. No, just in the book. I get to just choose which the, book, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. You can you can publish whatever book you want. Amazon will and, pr- print it for you and, and deliver the, it within a day. And then I'll be the smartest person in that book. Yeah. In that particular book, you certainly will be. It's like I can talk. I know I can do that. I do that fairly well. My eyes suck. So people are not everybody's equal. People are going to have different things about them that allowed them to do different things better than others. And that's just the way it is. The concept of treating everybody exactly alike is not, it's not that you should discriminate against people, but understand that calling everybody exactly equal is actually something that is hurting. I think society in a way that people just don't understand. Um, when you start miss totally mislabeling people and looking down on them. I mean, the interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned the Hillary Clinton's deplorable campaign. This certainly was not about inclusion. This was no. taking a group of people it, it was that about were voting for the other guy. It was about identifying with a group of people and othering a different group of people for the purpose of uh, uh, propaganda, of trying to uh, develop a voting base that will hate the other guy so much that they'll vote with you despite your criminal background. Right. The purpose because, of having an enemy is a criminal. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it is. It's for the purpose of having an enemy because you do, you need the other. And this is why you need to put somebody into a stereotypical box. And that is not going to end well for anyone. Because when you start calling one whole group of people deplorables, if somebody's like, you know, hey, I was thinking of voting for this guy. And then somebody, the other side's going, well, anybody that would vote for him is a deplorable. Well, that doesn't help you because, you know, in, in an election in the United States, the thing that used to be the most important to the people running, because we have the way our political system works, you have the right, you have the left, you have the Republicans, you have the Democrats. And overall, what you have are a small group of people that no matter what will always vote the same way. What the election cycle in the United States used to be about was getting those people that were firmly in the middle that really wouldn't call themselves Republicans. They wouldn't call themselves Democrats. They're the independent, undecided voter 
And it used to be about going after their vote, trying to appeal to those people with the great things you were going to do instead of demonizing half of the country. And I think that was a really big turning point in, in the last election. And I think Hillary Clinton, by putting those people into the cage of the deplorables, uh, sealed her own fate, don't you think? Well, I think that when when you said that there was a group of people who would all vote guaranteed for one candidate, no matter what. For legal reasons, I do have to say Hillary Clinton, allegedly a criminal. Uh, yes, uh, allegedly committed all the crimes that she's guilty of. Yes, um, you, you were, of course, speaking in stereotypes uh, when you said that uh, Hillary supporters would every one of them would vote for her because uh, obviously that's stereotyping the Democrats, but not really. Actually, no. Come to think of it, if if you base your category on who the person voted for, then it is completely logical to say that every single one of the Hillary supporters supported Hillary. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, but which you is can't a, say they all would be totally clueless when it comes what, to email security and what Benghazi was. Yeah. What? Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not even certain that they were all clueless, but I suspect that a large number of them were willfully ignorant of a lot of the things, uh, which is, is something that you kind of have to do in order to fully support uh, any particular candidate is every, every candidate is flawed. I, I mean, just, just in case people start to think that we're an alt-right podcast and uh, full of Trump supporters, uh, which we may be, but Trump is Donald Trump is also a deeply flawed individual. We're going to get to that on another on another podcast, I assure you. But I, I recognize his flaws, and uh, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to categorize myself as a Trump supporter or not. I'm not going to say who I voted for, uh, which was not either of the major party candidates, but. Uh, I look at this and I think, what would be better for the country? Well, I mean, you've got your issues and you've got your personality. And a lot of people don't think about issues anymore. They don't think about uh, what would be good for the country. They don't think about what is going to happen to the country if this person is in charge. And instead, they base things on personality. Uh, you say, uh, oh, you're, you're a deplorable racist and therefore you voted for a racist. Well, that's pretty much almost always wrong. There might be a few thousand people in the country who voted for Donald Trump because they believe that he's a racist and they're racist too and think that's a great thing to do. And there might be a few people in the country who voted for Hillary because they genuinely didn't think that she did anything wrong and could, everything was right. But I don't think that that's what most people did. Most people are, you know, I mean, in, in this, in the last election, I think that most people, uh, based on personality, uh, Hillary is thoroughly unlikable and Donald Trump is a, uh, a boisterous. And if you believe the mainstream media is, uh, you know, completely narcissistic and, uh, misogynistic and, Okay, well, then all of those are personality traits, and I couldn't give a crap what the personality of the person is if they're going to do right by the country. Right, because that was never the thing. I mean, you go back to JFK, and you now hear all the things of all the extramarital affairs and stuff that he had, but at the time, the news was covering it like, oh, this was Camelot. He and Jackie O have the greatest marriage ever, but as long as he did what was right for the job of the presidency, nobody cared. 
And this is something else that has changed. And he had to have been doing something right if the CIA assassinated him for it. Well, maybe that's allegedly also. Um, and then you only get, well, if he did Marilyn Monroe too, he was doing something right, but I digress on that. Well, that she's pretty fine. So he did something fine, you know, and this is the problem when you start labeling things and putting things into categories where, you know, it's the orange man, bad syndrome and you, we, everything he's doing is bad. And that's just a symptom of everything else that's going on. Like Oberlin college just got hit with what, like $44 million. I think it was 11 million plus 33 million, like punitive 33. There's that magic number for going after it was like a little grocery bakery or something that there were a couple of the Oberlin students who were black, who had a problem. They claimed, you know, this Oberlin went out on this whole campaign, including having rallies, printing up flyers against this business and totally defaming this business as a bunch of racist assholes. And then the students that were involved eventually went, no, no, we were just trying to shoplift this. I don't think it had anything to do with race. And this went, you know, into the, into the stratosphere and you had a college. This wasn't just one or two people. You had a whole college going after this business, basically screwed the business, but now they're going to get 44 million to go do whatever they want. So I'm sure they can, I'm sure they can build a hell of a bakery with 44 million bucks, but it's this social justice warrior mentality. Now I can learn to bake for $44 million. Hell yeah. You want to believe what you want to believe. You want to believe the thing that makes your group better off. You want to push that narrative again as a word that's used all the time. You want to believe the things that forward your goals. And a lot of times lately, those things have been absolute bullshit, but people were willing to buy into them and to go to the extreme to try to defend them even though it all turned out to be a lie. You brought up, uh, uh, you, you came really close to a concept that, uh, that tends to be very contentious regarding any, anybody who talks about equality. And uh, the, the idea is the difference between equal, equality of opportunity and equality of outcome. And uh, you, you already brought up some of the problems with, uh, with the latter, which is kind of what uh, any kind of socialist utopia pushes is, is the idea that we would like everybody to be equal. And a lot of people who say that will, will mean they want equality of output outcome. What they mean is everything that I have, you also have, and everything you have, I also have. And as you rightly pointed out, that's not how the world works because not only do people have different abilities to do or create things, but people also have vastly different motivation levels. Some people are perfectly happy sitting on their butts playing video games all day. And if that's the life that you want and you can keep yourself sustained doing that, then by all means. But that doesn't mean that you should take somebody who wants to go out and found three companies before lunch and make you know $6 million in VC funds and then fail most of them and eventually have one that's sort of a success and sell to Google. Uh, that's more than I want to do. That's a lot of freaking work. But somebody who wants to do that, I, I wish them luck and I en- hope they enjoy all of their Silicon Valley parties. To demonstrate the effect, there's a short story. And I know that they've talked about this on No Agenda, which is a podcast that everybody should be listening to if you're at all interested in some of these social issues is a a short story by Kurt Vonnegut called Harrison Bergeron, which is, it's a very quick read. It's only, uh, 
a, a few dozen pages even, and it demonstrates quite well what the likely outcome would be if you have a society in which you attempt to enforce the equality of outcome. The novel paints a picture where smart people are forced to wear earphones on their heads that play distracting noises every few seconds in order to prevent them from concentrating more than somebody who's naturally dumb. Strong people are required to carry weights around with them so that they can't pick up any more than somebody who's naturally weak and so on. And the story in itself, if, you know, now, now that I've given it that, if, if you are the kind of person who thinks that, oh, well, you know, equality of outcome is still a good idea, then I've just made it so you'll never read the book. But if, <laughs> if, if you want to have a rational discussion about it, that is an excellent allegory tale about what happens when you try to enforce equality of outcome. Well, and I'm going to go with a quote of mine from episode number two of Grumpy Old Ben's that still gets thrown around the no agenda troll room. And, uh, and it, it, to me, it takes socialism and boils it down to one simple thing. Not everybody gets to fuck Adriana Lima. And that for me is still where the concept of everybody can get the same thing falls apart because the sex drive is one of the major drives for the human condition. And that is something that you can't, you know, unless we're really getting good sex robots. Uh, but even then I, I doubt it, but, uh, that's that's where things really start to fall apart, and if anybody can disprove that theory, feel free to let me know. So the I, I'm good, I'm about to go ahead and be prescriptive about uh, how you can rationally approach the fallacy of stereotyping, as we've discussed here in, in the times when we weren't completely off the rails. Being human is mainly about what we say, what we think, what we do, and. As soon as you stop talking about what people do and start talking about what they are, you have dehumanized the person. When you decide that somebody isn't a person and instead you decide that they're a white man, you have made the decision to disregard every single thing about that person except for their skin color and gender, which again are terribly superficial. Uh, they are not prescriptive or, or particularly indicative of anything about them. Even if you decide that you are going to categorize all six foot six Chicago area White Sox fans who love Taylor Swift in the same category, you have decided that if instead of talking about this is a characteristic of Darren, you say this is a characteristic of this group. And you are disregarding the fact that Darren also has you know other things going on i'm sure there's something that you do have other things that characterize you right no that's absolutely it now i'm sorry i was just considering adriana lima taylor swift which one uh, i was just kind of off there i i hear there are some fantastic fanfics that can help fill in the blanks i'm sure there would be but you know one of the interesting things for me of something like the no agenda troll room and this goes through it probably not for twitter because twitter it's very easy to they make you put up a picture in this and a lot of people put up their picture and use names that identify them one of the greatest things about a community if you can find one and the no agenda troll room is one of those which is the chat room for the no agenda uh, stream no agenda stream.com people use very ambiguous names where you don't know what 
their sex is. You don't know what their race is. You don't know where they're from. This is a characteristic of online communities, which use pseudonyms. People are allowed to present exactly as many facts about themselves as they like, which is a huge benefit of the existence of online anonymity. And it also allows you to go by somebody's ideas, not the way that they look. I can't tell you, and I'm not saying I wouldn't have voted for Trump, but when the election happened, I was going through some of the retinal surgeries, was face down for a bunch of weeks. And I was like, you know, what? I live in fucking Illinois. My vote's not going to count. I don't need to leave the house to, to go vote because, you know, Illinois. But oh, the joys of not being in a swing state, you can vote for who you want. Yes. And, you know, what, what, that was exactly the way I felt. And which is why the big fallacy of, hey, if we just if we just made the electoral college go away, the Democrats would always win. No, nobody knows what the fuck would happen. They don't know who would come out and vote. When people all thought their vote actually counted. But, you know, the point I'm getting to was on Twitter, a bunch of times I would be posting stuff that was favorable to Trump and immediately got, well, you fucking voted for this guy. You know, it wasn't even about Trump. It would just be whatever it was, Republican, a conservative viewpoint. Well, you fucking view Trump voters. It's like, I didn't vote for him. People make that assumption so quick. It's amazing. Well, people have to, if, if you say something that somebody doesn't like, human instinct is to lash out because you are especially when you have somebody who has an enlarged and inflamed amygdala and their entire self-worth is tied up in this one argument about who to vote for and you say something that threatens their amygdala they are going to have the exact same reaction that a primitive human would have to if you came out brandishing a spear at them they're going to go into a defensive mode they want to lash out and the the way that you lash out at somebody online because you can't physically do it is you have to use words and they need to immediately latch on to the only piece of information that they have about you which is usually a username and what you've said and if what you said was pro trump they're going to say well aha this person is obviously a Trump supporter because that's the only piece of information I have and I need to come up with some way to lash out. Right. And the confusing part for them comes in in the case where I'll, you know, you post something like, I don't remember what it was about. And then it's like, I'll post something. Uh, it's an episode, a thing that we've talked about doing an episode on, except I don't know if it really, there's enough there to, to make it one, which was the gay marriage issue. Because uh, for me, if, if you want to be miserable and be married, I don't care if you're gay. If, it, that's fine with me. If you want to be gay, get married. I don't care. Uh, and I think it, I've confused people with that because I'll say something very conservative when it comes down to, you know, financial stuff or when it comes to gun ownership and all that. And then it's like, well, I'm not all for, you know, gays getting married. It's like they, they don't know how to take it. This is we're being taught, it seems, that everybody has to check all of the same boxes. And it's interesting as a country that, and we've done other stuff on diversity, but everybody wants to call for diversity. But then if you have a different thought than they do, diversity sucks. People who call for diversity uh, and, and uh, allow me to stereotype briefly, a lot of the people who will publicly call for diversity in today's society are not looking for diversity of thought. They are looking for diversity of skin color. They are looking for diversity of gender. They are looking for diversity of the few superficial characteristics that determine the predefined categories that they have in their minds. Yes. And I like when this stuff kind of melts down, like when you have somebody of Mexican descent 
who came into the United States legally who is against illegal immigration. I've seen this in a few different videos on YouTube going after people and having debates and they can't understand like, wait, well, you're Mexican. Yes. And you're against illegal immigration. Yes. Why? Because well, I fucking did it legally. Asshole. There are rules. <laughs> we live in yeah. a society where there are rules. What is wrong with that? There's, there's plenty wrong with this society. Yes. Well, that's true. But that kind of thing causes a meltdown because it's like, they look at somebody and they're like, well, you're Mexican American, but you're saying you're against immigrate, but you came here, but it's like legally, you know, this is where people trying to get all punched up into one little group and to be able to try to neatly tie any one person into any one group is insane. Or to think that people within that one group are so similar that that makes no sense. Well, you in the, uh, in the last episode that we did about software updates, you said, you know, made it an example of something like, well, okay, if there is an app or if there's a you know program that has three different items into it, and each one of those items can be in four different states, how many total different states can there, you know, that could actually happen at one particular point? That is the human condition. It's like, yeah. okay, White Sox fan, click. Well, maybe you also like, you may, I don't like the Chicago Bears. I mean, I bet you most White Sox fans like the Bears. I don't. Most White Sox fans probably like the Chicago Bulls. I don't. You know, the Blackhawks like them. So there's so many different choices on all these groups that people can be put in that it's so stupid. The complexity of a human individual is off the scale in terms of anything that, well, it it is a, a, a single individual human is literally more complex than the human mind can comprehend, which is basic physics, really. Uh, but it it means that the ability to very quickly draw conclusions about somebody based on fewer facts than understanding the entire individual is absolutely necessary for being able to interact in the world the coming up with which of those characteristics to use to make decisions is how you make the change between making an informed decision about somebody and being a racist because you've just chosen to assume a whole bunch of facts about them based on their skin color right or religion or or or, or whatever <laughs> yes um, yeah so the as you said the the complexity required to interact with any group of humans is absolutely immense which is why stereotyping is built into the human psyche because without it without the ability to generalize based on a f- limited information we would never be able to make a single decision at all it's a very important thing but when you choose the wrong information like superficial bullshit like skin color or what baseball team they like you're going to make wrong decisions and then when you base your entire ideology and self image on these superficial stereotypes uh you are going to build your entire world around falsehoods around wrong information around things that cannot stand up in any logical space and when you've decided that your entire self-worth and image is based around a falsehood then you have no choice when faced with a rational counter argument to that falsehood, but to become defensive and emotional and lash out. And I believe that we're seeing this, uh, the, the social justice warriors who 
base their entire self-image, their entire ideology on taking the fallacy of stereotyping as an axiom. They actually assume that you can stereotype people. That is the entire basis of the identity ideology. And therefore, whenever they are faced with an actual rational argument, which points out the incorrectness or even just the ridiculousness of their position, they have no choice but to either abandon their ideology, which is scary and hard, or lash out and call people racists. I don't think there's any chance in our lifetime or until mankind is wiped off the face of the earth that this is ever going to change. You're never going to get people to stop thinking in this way, that there's going to be us and the other, as you say. I don't think that's ever going to change. I, I, don't, I don't think that's possible. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest limitations of the human condition. You know, even if it's just for a minute, like you said, you have that first thing that hits you. You know, if you're walking down a dark alley and you see a big guy coming at you, you know, you're going to be scared. You know, oh, I'm I'm in danger. And whether that's true or not, you know, you're you're hardwired for a certain amount of this stuff. And I also believe you're hardwired to have that mentality of us and them, because the us part, unfortunately, makes you feel like you have a home. It makes you feel like you have a tribe. It makes you feel like you have your own group of people. But the problem comes every group that has their people. There's also people outside of that who are then the other. And then that's where shit gets bad. Am I wrong there? You're, you're never going, you're, you're absolutely correct. I, I can't believe I said those words. Oh, uh, <laughs> you are correct that you, we will not be able to ever breed or work the humanity out of humans. People will always have the instinct to categorize people and make snap decisions based on them. However, uh, remember that humans are smart for the most part, we have the ability to learn. We have the ability to make rational decisions. It's actually what has allowed us to create the civilization that we have is that some people make rational decisions. I know that it doesn't look like it, but it does happen once in a while. We can teach people to resist the instinct and make rational decisions, listen to your instincts, and then use that as an input and then take other inputs and make a rational decision about somebody. And the other thing that we can do to temper that instinct is learn to identify characteristics that actually will count that, that actually help you make useful decisions about an individual. You know, like I said, somebody's race or somebody's gender is just about the most useless characteristic in trying to determine what someone will say or do because they are so overgeneralized and using the right signals and, and resisting the urge to lash out emotionally and, and actually make a decision. And by the way, if the decision, if the correct decision is to lash out emotionally, then by all means, but that shouldn't be, you you shouldn't do that without engaging your brain. We can teach humans to do this. Uh, I think that the problem with our society is not, I mean, I mean, at its root, we, we have the problem that we're, our society is made up of humans, but we're pretty good at, at working around a lot of human foibles. And our first line of defense in humanity has always been education. And I believe that the educational system, at least in this country, 
has utterly failed an entire generation of people by teaching them that they are entitled to things, by teaching them, by by not teaching them how to think critically, by not teaching them some very important things about how to be self-sufficient, how to make your own decisions, how to evaluate other people in a way that can be used to interact with a person without stereotyping them. Well, to get beyond the one issue, which is the problem with a lot of this stuff going on online in 140 to 280 characters, whatever Twitter is now, rather than just taking something on one statement and making the the jump and, and, and stereotyping where you think the, this person falls and all these other issues go deeper because otherwise you, you get into the chance on on twitter that you'll be calling somebody a you know white nazi homophobe when you're you know talking to a gay black guy because you didn't go far enough you just went oh he likes trump well you and he said something that and you make that jump that i think that's the biggest problem with the society now with the internet is it's too easy oddly enough in the inter- information age it's way too easy to stay at the surface rather than getting into the minutia of things. Well, and, and as we've identified as a theme on grumpy old Ben's, it's more convenient to just make decisions based on superficial, useless information than it is to become informed and learn about things. And sometimes it's just more fun. I want to leave with a, a story about, about Microsoft, because of course, you know, my, my brush with, corporate culture and i tell you everybody seemed to dig episode 11 and your microsoft stories i thought it was I, great because i hardly had to talk but they love the stories there 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 was there was some ranting there i don't know if you noticed that or not uh when i was er, early on in my career at microsoft this has to be probably 2005 uh so this this is quite some time ago uh there was a program instituted uh where we were we were required to take diversity training in order to i just as everybody who was an employee had to take this training so that we could uh understand why diversity was important and i wasn't well established enough at the company to outright refuse and i didn't you know i i was not uh indispensable as it were so so you weren't hunting bill gates down in the bathroom or anything well i i do i refuse to admit to any form of stalking without my lawyer present (laughs) but uh so i uh, aside from some grumbling with my manager who's uh extremely helpful and superficial advice was just put up with it (laughs) my managers were were a fountain of useful advice like pick your battles which has has always been a platitude that has has triggered me. But so I go to this diversity training and they go in and they start explaining and and they used a, the approach that if you, if everybody has exactly the same thought and they bring up some, some examples of everybody who is thinking exactly the same way and everybody looks at a piece of code and they don't see a bug that would have shown up if they had somebody who thought differently. And then they point out that people who were raised in foreign cultures, and and in particular, this was when there was an influx of people from India 
into the company. So that was an example given, but uh, people raised in foreign cultures are raised to think differently. And uh, people with different life experiences have different ways of looking at problems. And we need this diversity to make our product better. And therefore, as a result of all of this, we need to hire people with different skin colors to make the product better. And even at the time when I was barely out of college, I, I had to go up to the person there and, and go, well, there seems to be a step missing because you made the leap from diversity of thought, which is clearly good. It is clearly beneficial for making a better product to have people who think differently in order to approach the problem from multiple angles. Because as we established on episode 11, uh, software is very complex and nobody understands the whole thing. So having multiple people think differently about it is extremely beneficial and necessary. But how did we make the leap from there to people who have different race necessarily think differently? And I never got a satisfactory answer for that. In fact, the the person who was giving the talk basically gave me a a sit down and shut up. And from that moment on, uh, I did everything in my power to be the biggest pain in the ass about this diversity stuff. Uh, after a while, we didn't go to uh, diversity training in a conference room anymore. They came up with a way to give you an online class driven by videos and. Whenever one of these, you know, it was about once every year that we had uh, uh, everybody is required to go to this compliance site and view the videos and answer uh, some questions based on the video. And and they have uh, technological means to make sure that you sat through and, and stepped through all of the videos. And the video, the entire course would be about an hour long. And I would spend two or three hours finding ways to work around it so that I could register my compliance on their site without having to see the bullshit because I was so <laughs> infuriated by the the diversity training that everybody at Microsoft had to take because right. I identified very, very early on that the idea of wanting racial diversity or gender diversity in your company and and somehow making the the glossing over the fact that that doesn't necessarily lead to diversity of thought, and nobody right. was able to ever draw that line. Because well, they're idiots. Said, they just no. Well, they're not idiots. I at Microsoft, I work with the, some of the smartest people on the planet, but they were willfully ignorant about things that they decided that they didn't want to think about. And one of those was, well, for virtue signaling purposes, I need to make sure that I champion. Uh, the diversity of gender and the diversity of race. And also, was that really the question? Was that really the point was that they needed more minority hires? So they pushed it in this way because otherwise it's the, you're going no, after no, diversity would, in the most stereotypical way possible. Well, they, they were, and that is exactly what they were doing for legal reasons. Nobody would ever admit that nobody ever could because that's uh, it, it. It's uh the the program from the 80s you remember where that said uh, everybody should hire more black people affirmative action that that's exactly what it is and and it i think that's been pretty thoroughly discredited but that's still today what silicon valley wants to do is you see statistics of 
companies saying, well, we need to make sure that we have at least 40% women on staff or, or you get a law passed in California that says that your board <laughs> must be at least right. 50% women. Right. Because hiring people based on the way they look rather than how they can actually perform at your company is always good for business. Well, I mean, having more women around is good for morale. And in, in the coding depths at Microsoft, it was overwhelmingly male and, and having more people around that you could look at without being immediately ostracized as a lech. Uh, might have been nice, but I, not not that that was me. This would have been something that would have been very easily fixed at Microsoft, being that you could give people a test and you could see the way they thought. You could give them problem solving. Yeah, tests. we called that an interview. You know, but then why would you base it upon, well, we need more people from India. Why not just give everybody the test? And if some asshole white guy seemed to ace the test, why are you taking him off the table? Uh, virtue signaling. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and people wonder and, why these companies like take hits. I I just can't. And the get insidious it. part about this is that if you ever asked anybody if that was what they were doing, then you absolutely would get a denial. No, no, of course we have equal opportunities for all races and and backgrounds and genders and everything. But of course they thought that way, and at the same time, you know, in in rooms where re- the the discussions weren't being recorded, you always had oh, well, you know. I mean, you, I noticed that you only have, you know, that, that you have, uh, 25 people on your team and 17 of them are white. And, uh, can you maybe, you know, increase your diversity a little bit? I think that that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Diversity. Yeah. That'll work out. Uh, but you know, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people did like episode number 11, including our executive producer today, Sir Eric VM Baron of the Valley sent us a little note and we appreciate the contribution we appreciate being able to keep the lights on thank you sir get, eric you know and get zencaster going so we can get you i mean you have to hear the subtleties of sir ryan bemrose's voice otherwise Wait. the whole podcast just doesn't work zencaster is not that good it's not able to put subtleties in where none exist <laughs> he did include a note which says hey sir darren sir brian your episode on software updates is fantastic exactly how i view it but can't communicate it an over sophisticated situation and a scam at many levels well that is absolutely that is absolutely true he says i'm only a pc enthusiast for the past 18 years and grumpy old ben's is now my tech podcast of choice um is there a disclaimer we need to put on here we or are, anything we just are in- barely a tech podcast <laughs> we just we just happen to know about tech and we happen to view a lot of social issues through the lens of tech however thank you sir eric for your kind words that is pretty much exactly what we're trying to do here is is highlight issues in a ranty but slightly fun way to to point out places that people just need to think a little bit more yeah he says i'm not a gamer which i'm not either i know you do a little council gaming so the other tech podcasts just seem tedious in their coverage they skim headlines or review graphics cards by a different company but they're all basically the same fucking cards well that's also true you notice that uh yeah. although they're just a different yeah, but no there's a different logo on them sir eric yeah. that's a completely different thing that's uh, that's said, darren's youtube channel they're right i do reviews but not on not on uh mainly audio stuff which is more a lot more fun i think than the computer stuff he says then they can't wait for the next better one to come out. Jeez. Anyway, thank you for your courage, guys. Grumpy old enthusiast, Sir Eric VM Baron of the Valley, uh, executive producer of the Grumpy Old Benz. We appreciate it. 
thanks for listening. We say this every time, but thanks for listening more than anything else. Hopefully you can still find us if you're using an Apple device, because we just got a notice today saying that our feed was giving a 403 error, even though it works and Apple's a bunch of assholes. So if you have an Apple device, do me a favor, subscribe on it and let us know if it's working. And of course you can go to our website, adding Apple iTunes to the list of things we're going to rant about in the future. Yeah, they just killed iTunes. We could just rant completely about Apple. But if you want to subscribe to the show and download it on your favorite device, you can go to grumpyoldbens.com. We have all the links there. You can even subscribe by email, which is nice. If you don't use one of these little devices, you'll just get an email every time we drop a new episode. And of course, if you want to go the value for value model, you like what we're putting out here and you want to throw a few bucks our way to make sure that we can keep ourselves in ramen, then feel free to hit the donation button. Anything is appreciated and guys like Sir Eric and Jay Finley and everybody else out there that's been helping us out and, and encouraging us to keep talking. I mean, some people may put you in a category that'll be on a list soon, but we appreciate it. So from America's left coast, where I continue to be the benefactor of man-made climate change, I turn on a fan. Uh, I'm Ryan Bemrose. And from just outside of Chicago, Illinois, where the weather's shitty, but, you know, the barbecue's still good if you don't get shot, I am Darren O'Neill. Until next time. Uh